Welcome to No Clip. I'm Chad Rutherman. I'm JJ Artimas. And I'm Andy Kinnick. And today we're going to be talking about Portal. Uh, Portal was released in 2007. It was developed and published by Valve Software. Um, I probably don't need to go too much into what <laughs> Portal is. I think currently it is the like most populous game on my Steam list. Like More people that I'm friends with on Steam own a portal than do not own portal. So that's what happens when you're incredibly critically acclaimed and give your game away for free yeah. on the most popular PC platform that exists. <laughs> yeah, it uh probably it along with the orange box sort of like made the final push to make Steam like a ubiquitous piece of software on most people's like home computers. And Portal was a it was kind of a unsung hit at the time, like when it actually released. Because they packaged it in the orange box with Half-Life 2, both of its episodes, and Team Fortress. And it was kind of like, it seemed like the add-on thing, but it exploded and took on a whole like life of its own. At the time, it was like a tiny team experiment. I think it was like 14 people total that, that worked in all the portal. I don't I, know the exact number, but... Yeah, I listened to the developer commentary. I did too, out. it was like years ago. No. But, uh, I don't know why I'm trying to defend myself. <laughs> God forbid so many things I didn't watch the director commentary of Portal. But, um, yeah, um, Portal is itself a first-person game, and I kind of wanted to jump into this because Portal hits so many of those notes that I really like about games, in that it's a game that is primarily about movement. Where it's a game where you need to get from point A to point B, and it like gives you this like creative way to do it. As I mentioned before, like I really like games like Mirror's Edge, which are about like fluid movement through a physical space. Mm-hmm. But Portal takes that and kind of like subverts like your typical A to B movement by allowing you to place extra dimensional <laughs> wormholes on walls and like make your way from one place to another in like an insanely fast time. And that's exactly the kind of thing that I love to do. So go from point A to point B in an extremely fast time. Basically yes. <laughs> it's so weird. Because you're correct in like at the moment that it came out when it was packaged in with the orange box, it wasn't something that was like extremely billed as like the thing you go to the orange box for. At the time, that was Half-Life 2 episode 2? 2 was the one that just came out. So, but the kind of like steamroll that grew behind this game was unbelievably enormous. (laughs) Steamrolled? Go on. Okay. (laughs) Okay. Thanks. It was like, it grew. It grew in popularity. Snowball. Snowball. That's the one. Yeah, that's the word. It's a good pun, though. And it was not intentional? Yeah, whatever. Subconscious puns. <laughs> They're the best kind. It, it got so popular so fast, probably, I assume, mostly because of the acclaim and its brevity. Right. Like, it's such a short game that pretty much anyone who could have access to it could get through it in like a night or two. Because it seems ubiquitous to us now, particularly when we think about how much people talked about it and like how influential it was in like the PC space generally. Yeah. Uh, but you're right. It was not at the time. And even going back, I'm surprised at like how different like portal mechanics are. There there have not been 
as many games as I would have assumed at the time right after Portal was big, I sort of like duped it and like cloned its sort of unique characteristics in some way. Unless I'm just forgetting about something. I can only think of one that does anything similar. Uh, and honestly, I don't even remember the name of it. It was an independent game that came out like shortly after that people were talking. It was like Quantum Oh yeah, something. Quantum something. Yeah. yeah I'm like, so far from, removed from all of this. PC? <laughs> yeah, I, I was so far away from the PC space in 2007. Like, I remember the advertisements for the orange box and being like, what the fuck? <laughs> what is this? I know that, uh, you, In the commercials, wasn't, like, Gladys's voice, like, narrate the commercials? So didn't they promote Portal heavily through that? I honestly did not know that there were orange box commercials. Because yeah, that's how I knew about it. I suspected something that came out after the release and they saw how, like, successful Portal was. Yeah. And so they went back and were like, buy the orange box, it has Portal in it. Because I can hear, like... Her like the, Gladys's voice yeah. saying the orange box. Yeah, and uh, before I forget this piece of information, because we just talked on the transistor cast mm-hmm. uh, about like unsung video game voice actors. Oh uh, yeah, Ellen McLean is uh, the woman who does the voice of Gladys, as well as the Overwatch in uh, uh, Half Life and the announcer in Team Fortress Two. She's like oh. Valve's in house like good voice actor <laughs> and uh she does and operatic singer yeah yep. <laughs> it does like an outstanding job obviously selling like the gladys character and singing and also singing yeah so yeah just wanted to to put that in while we were talking about gladys's voice mm-hmm. give the iconic characters their due i mean if you're talking about iconic characters that's like she's obviously the workhorse behind, like, the personality of this game, mm-hmm. because as, like, well as they hit the visual aesthetics of the game, which we'll, I'm sure, talk about in due time, on the topic of voice acting, the, uh, all things considered, she's the only, like, real voiced character mm-hmm. in the game. It's like, your character is, uh, mute, the companion cube is an object, <laughs> And then Gladys has a voice. The only other person... And the chorus at the end. Yeah, is uh, yeah. Mike Patton, uh, lead singer of uh, Faith No More, does the voice of the, uh, of the of the personality chorus. Didn't know that. And the zombies in Left 4 Dead. I was actually... That touches on one of the earlier points that I was hoping to make uh, in the cast, which is I'm actually surprised, going back to the original Portal, how long it takes... For Glados to like acquire like the unique personality that we all sort of attribute to her, right? Uh, like the sarcasm, and like like the deep wit, and like the individual personhood. Because through so much of the game, uh, I put it at the moment before you escape. She, the jokes that her that come off of her character are mostly just sort of generic like machine jokes where it's like an inhuman thing that's talking to you that doesn't really understand sort of the consequences of like the human consequences of the things that it's saying. It's just like if that weird voice modulator thing that they always include in Windows in Windows was trying to communicate <laughs> voices to you. Yeah, MS Sam or is it Sam? I, I forget. forget. I think Sam that sounds correct. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah. It's like she doesn't understand people. Yeah. And I mean 
that's all well and good, and like, and it isn't supposed to be like a, like a criticism of any kind. It's just that now, especially since GLaDOS was in many ways sort of like the face of Portal 2 in like a lot of its marketing efforts. Yeah. They like redesigned her, for like how she physically looked partially to help market her better uh, and all the different accessories. I was surprised that it took that long for her to be like the sarcastic person that we understand. Yeah, I think the uh, character they arc... developed the character. Yeah, <laughs> oh my god, <laughs> the character arc, like as it stands, and if you're drawing from like the implications that are brought up in Portal Two, then it is an AI that is like supposedly built from a human mind, so it allows sort of, like whereas if you just took Portal One by itself, it is like from like an artificial intelligence standpoint, kind of unusual to think that like an AI would learn or, and, like, react differently to things. But uh, the way that, like, the character develops over the course of the first game is sort of, like, it is portrayed as just, like, the, the like the disembodied, like, ambient voice, like a pre-recorded track. Yeah, it's a script. Right. She, and and that, that's why the turn when you begin to escape is so important. It's because it's her going off script right. and it, being emotional right. suddenly. Right. Very HAL 9000, mm. or whatever. Yeah, and not being able to, like, access information about your character. Because, like, the, like, as an interesting point of fact, the portal, the Avenger Science portal gun is now worth more than the combined uh, wages and internal organs of subject hometown here. <laughs> but yeah, that, that kind of thing. But yeah, and then once you break the, like, the program, like, where it's like, okay, well, here's the part where we dispose of the test subject, and then presumably repeat, like, go back to the beginning, mm. somebody else runs the trials, then... At that point, and where something goes wrong, you start to realize that Gladys is, in fact, a character and not just a voice. Yep. And I think that's, like, part we're starting to get at, like, why this game's so special, is how it, like, it surprises you so much on the first playthrough. Oh, yeah. It's easy to forget, like, you just brought up that Gladys isn't sarcastic the whole game. When you go back and replay it, like, the game really toys with the player throughout the whole thing. It's what, I think, part of what makes it so memorable. Yeah, that's one of those things where it's like, at the beginning of the game, the part where we were talking about how it just sounds like a pre-recorded voice, uh, a lot of people remember this game as being funny. Mm-hmm. The, uh, the writing is very good, which is true. Uh, the writing is good, and they hit that, like, the humor notes really well. But when, like, I replayed it and kind of, like, focused on what was being said... Especially near the end, once Gladys breaks from, like, script. The game's actually, like, genuinely kind of creepy. Yeah. Like, you get a very, like, uneasy feeling, especially when you're going back through, like, the, like, old aperture, like, the areas that are kind of broken down, and you're, like, walking through the walls and stuff. It was an intentional decision from the very start. Like, the intense loneliness, uh, it's... If you look very closely uh, at all of the cameras and the different devices, r- rust spots begin to show up there. All of the observation areas that are supposed to make you feel, you know, like watched and uncomfortable, they have both that effect and they make you aware that no one is in the observation areas and then right. you see no people anywhere ever, even though you get like hints that people used to be there. Mm-hmm. And a more, a more subtle one that I only picked up on this time when I played through it specifically for the cast is that when you're going through the scripted, sections of the game uh 
you can anytime the floor breaks open or things begin to reposition, if you look down and like under where they come through, it's always like horribly rusted and this bright deep red. Yeah. That's just in your face immediately and you don't need to make like the hell connotations there. <laughs> the message is really clear and it's really uncomfortable. Mm. But yeah, you brought that up as if you didn't find it creepy or uncomfortable the first time you played it? It's not... It, it wasn't the first... See, the first time I played the game was so long ago that I guarantee you that I did have that, like, feeling. This is one of those games... Um, it, it actually replaced this old GameCube game uh, called Dead to Rights. <laughs> but I don't really want to talk about that much. It was just, like, a standard third-person, like, action shooter game with, like, bullet time mechanics. Okay. But that used to be the game that I would play if I just had, like, an afternoon free. Uh, because I played the game a number of times and it just becomes so, like, rote and repeatable that I I would just blaze through that game in a couple of hours and feel satisfied at the end of it. And it was fun to play. And this game overtook that, where, like, especially through college, if I just had, like, some time to kill, I could just, like, boot this game and run through it. And so, like... A lot of the like subtlety and the messages and stuff that were left in the game fell away, and it became like a purely mechanical exercise to the point where like I was actively attempting to like learn the routes and stuff to speed run the game, and it was just like it, it's been so long since I've done that that I was able to look at it from a different lens now. <laughs> The game, the game really does want you to treat it as if it's just like a mechanical interface. Right. They made plenty of design decisions apparent from the very start that are supposed to make that easy for you. If not the how isolated you are from other people, it's how sparse all of the environments are. And it's in the commentary, they actually refer to this explicitly, that the environments used to be sort of more cluttered like in the other Half-Life games, and they removed it all because they wanted you to draw attention to the puzzles and puzzles specifically. Right. Um, that's actually one of the things, um, if you had another point, go on. I don't remember. Okay. Uh, <laughs> and that's one of the things that I feel um, Portal 2 sort of fell down with, is because, like, in Portal 1, you spend almost an equal amount of time in and outside of the test chambers, <laughs> where it's like, kind of like the first half of the game, or the, what, 18 test chambers? 19, Something like that. 19 test chambers. And uh, then you leave, and then... Especially on your first time through when this is all new to you. It's sort of like an application of skills that you've learned. Yep. And it takes a lot longer. So even though it's not like spatially as large an area, it's more of a, a challenge actually getting through and figuring everything out. Um, Portal 2 like had that opportunity, given like that it was a sequel to this, to just go hog wild. Like you were saying with the Life is Strange episode, how you felt like, the moments at the end where they're kind of like, use your time travel powers actively to try and solve things. Mm -hmm. This game could have been, or Portal 2 could have been all of that, but they kept returning to test chambers, and they built a whole other aperture to do more test chambers in, <laughs> which just feels like not using what they set up to the greatest effect, yeah. and like capitalizing on the strengths of this game. Portal 2 has like what I think are really bad pacing issues. Because mm. like, you get... Like, the same tutorial for the first game at the beginning. Right. And then you get more tutorials halfway through when they introduce the new mechanics. Yeah. I feel like, especially, like, with how many people played Portal 1, they could have really eased up 
on like the tutorializing in the second one mm-hmm. because the it's like I said the first one is basically ubiquitous most people who play PC games have played Portal mm-hmm. random other thing tying on to uh, the previous discussion about like the design decisions and the environment are you aware of how big all of the things in the test chambers are I assume that this was another decision that they made to try and make the game seem like elemental and like a thing that you just mechanically interface with because they're huge and against a background that's you contrast with them a lot because most of the things you interact with are like highly squared or compared to like round shit things like that right. but like the cubes are like the size of that sofa they're like enormous that's a good visual for everyone listening <laughs> yeah. he's pointing at the world's bodies. tiniest sofa <laughs> Uh, no, um... <laughs> Gotta be able to fit a human body. You know what? It's one standard sofa unit. You know, yeah. like, the average sofa. That's a recliner, but... <laughs> yeah, you, you're sitting on a sofa. Yeah. That's a recliner. Oh, I forgot that momentarily. Don't worry about it. Uh, yeah, I mean, if you... See, that's what I was actually gonna ask, is what you meant by things in the test chambers. Because the test chambers are all, like... Empty... Yeah, for the most part. There's just very few things to interact with, and that was a conscious design design decision. All of those things. That the cubes, the little tubes the cubes drop out of, right. the like little robots that attack anything other than you, anything that's actually in those very sparse environments, you because the environments are so sparse, they're like like a lot of frames of references for things. Right. But all of those things are massive. Yeah, they're test like, chambers are like giant. many stories tall. Because of just, like... Because you assume, because of the way that they laid them out, and this is also another excellent decision on their part in terms of, like, communicating to the player how things work, uh, the areas that you can portal onto, for the most part, are, uh, like, sectioned off in these rectangles. And the rectangles are, like, roughly if you just, like, circumscribed your player character with a rectangle... That is the size of it, yep. roughly. And the portals, like, perfectly fit inside of them. Oh, yeah. So, like, it gives you, like, a good, like, gridded spatial understanding of everything. Yep. And so in order to make, the ch- like, the chambers able, to, especially with the more kinetic ones where you have to, like, jump off of a tall thing and fall and then shoot out another way, they have to make the test chambers hugely massive <laughs> just to be able to go from one area to the other without feeling cramped or, like, that it's too precise. I mean, there are times when the test chambers do, and I assume intentionally try and make themselves feel cramped, even though all the stuff in there is so large, probably to try and feed into that, like, paranoia that the whole game's trying to build at you until the moment that it turns and makes it explicit that the thing is out here to kill you. Yeah, test chamber 19, I think, is a good example of that, where, like, the puzzle where you have to get around the closed door on the moving, the yep. after science unstationary scaffold. Uh, <laughs> in order to get to that, like, you're in this, like, one-by-one yep. area that's just traveling toward a wall. So. And they've got... Another thing that they referenced uh, in the commentary is how much that they had to keep falling back on using, like, time limitations repeatedly in the game as a way to make you in the environment of a puzzle still feel like you're starting to like panic or you know be stressed essentially and not just have to lazily sit around and solve the puzzle whenever you want it right what uh, uh, I don't really remember there being very many timed puzzles anytime uh, you have, you're on a moving object 
counts as a timed puzzle. Uh, I was thinking specifically there are a number of buttons and stuff. Like, you have unlimited time to solve it, but, like, a lot of the things where you have to, like, get something, like, beyond a door requires you to, like, hit a button on a pedestal that starts, like, a, a clicking timer. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. It's sounding more familiar now. Yeah, they yeah. aren't all, like, explicitly on screen like they did at the end in, like, the GLaDOS fight. Yeah. Quotation marks. Which is still, like, is just on, like, a screen that's up there. Like, you have to check if you want to see how much time you have left. Yep. It's not, like, some, like, obtuse UI countdown in no. the bottom left corner. Way too classy for that. Yeah, at all times. Well, Portal just oozes class. Like <laughs> that is like the whole thing. It's so smooth. Everything yeah, it does is like smooth. pure white. Like very sterile. Yeah. All right. I guess I didn't want to lead with this, but uh, upon uh, like doing preparation for the cast here, uh, I think this might be a perfect game. Perfect. Yeah. Yeah, I was actually thinking about this as well. It's a game that, like, is not among my favorite games, and I try and, like, justify that, or I tried to justify that this morning and last night, and it's it's difficult to do, because, like, I compare it to other things on the list, it's like, do I really think that, like, Hotline Miami is a better game than Portal? And the answer to that is no, but I don't want to say that I like <laughs> Portal more than it. Well, and there's more that, when you're trying to like rank the things that you enjoy, when you make these kind of lists, at least when I do, I'm not trying to figure out what is like the best at capturing its own theme with a thing that it's trying to do in isolation. That's relevant. But what's also relevant is just like my subjective tastes for the thing. Right. And I enjoy Portal, but I enjoy like other themes and tones more. So it's you can still be consistent in thinking that Portal perfectly executes on what it's trying to do, but not have it be like the greatest game for you. Yeah. Well, that, I mean, but that's the thing that I can't, that I kept coming back to, and, and is that I one hundred percent agree that I think Portal may be like basically flawless. Yeah, because it's the <laughs> game. Everything about it feels like effortless. Right. Yep. Like the mechanic completely fits the genre the setting completely fits the mechanic like Like, everything fits together so well it just the narrative way in a way that like just feels like so simple you're like how did no one think of this before (laughs) that's uh yeah i was actually i was was thinking about it and the only thing that i kept coming back to was the only part of this game that i don't like is the jump where you have to jump onto the catwalk from the other side of that lake. I feel like it is sloppy. But other than that one <laughs> jump... Not perfect. Maybe even, like, less than two seconds of total gameplay, <laughs> if you execute it properly, is the only time during this game that I'm not satisfied playing. <laughs> what I think pushes it over the edge for me is its length. Mm, yep. Like, I think the fact that this is a shorter, air quotes, yeah. game is a huge benefit. Like, it doesn't overstay its welcome. And I feel like... I enjoy Portal 1, like, significantly more than Portal 2, and I think it's because Portal 2 feels drawn out. Yeah. It was actually one of the first games, at least that I remember, that was actually praised for being short. It helped move that sort of bias in game culture back a few steps, and I'm 
really thankful for that. Yeah, because it works really well as an experience, and I'm the biggest experience-based gamer here. Right. I think that's fair to say. <laughs> and I would recommend, if you have an afternoon or a night or whatever, to play this in one sitting, because it just, the length of the story and it, it's all so satisfying to play in one chunk. Yeah, and it has, like, it's... It has, like, a very explicit narrative that it wants to, like, move through. And so, like, if the game was, like, if some guy was, like, it's good. If it could be, like, four times as long, though, that would be, like, optimal. Then, like, if they would have, there's, there's no padding in this game. Like, a lot of people are sort of under the impression, clearly not me, based on the way that uh, this podcast has played out, mm-hmm. uh, that when you edit something, the more you take out, the better your final product is. It's not uh, always true. It's not always <laughs> true. But, like, we're assuming that you're not unreasonably just cutting things. Right. And I feel like Portal is the game that's, like, been pared down to, like, exactly how much needs to be there. It's a lot of fat removed from Portal, I bet. Yeah. A lot of the other, probably, narrative stuff... They, they probably had to really rein themselves in a couple of times to keep the, like, Half-Life Black Mesa jokes at to more of a minimum. <laughs> do you think that they had to cut a lot of stuff, or do you think they specifically, like, set out to design a game that was kind of minimalistic in its storytelling? Well, we, we know that they didn't start minimalistic, because, like I said, the environment used to be cluttered. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like they did cut a lot of stuff, and, I mean, I agree that a lot of the Black Mesa stuff probably got kind of, <laughs> well, m- most likely it got moved to Portal 2, where they talk right. about it all the time. Yeah. But uh, in, in Portal 1, like, that's basically limited to a one-off joke in the end credits song, uh, and also... A PowerPoint presentation. Yeah. Hit. There are a few other, like environmental things like clipboards and stuff that have mention of it but yeah there's like a pa- there's a powerpoint slide there's dollars and cents competing with black mesa <laughs> that's projected onto a wall uh but for the most part it's it's pretty well hidden it's not until the end of the game that you really would even know that it takes place in the same universe uh one little narrative touch that i liked a whole lot and it definitely speaks to the kind of minimalism that we're talking here uh, is that once you get into the GLaDOS room, and I only, I only noticed it this time, uh, is they have, there's just like the rest of the lead-up to the GLaDOS fight is there are these desks positioned all over the place, uh, and there's a desk to the left after you enter uh, that has like a, like a very bright red phone on it uh, with like a line coming down with the cord very distinctively cut, and I think that that red phone tells like a pretty specific story that in the context of, like, where it is, like, in the room that GLaDOS is at that I like a whole lot. Yeah. Not even a little bit. That was, that that was in the developer about. commentary. Yep. Is, like, there was the jobs of the people in the room to, like, use the red phone if the AI started to be oh, right. and the cord is cut. <laughs> I never saw that, actually. Mm-hmm. Also, because it is 2016, as you were describing that, I was imagining, like, a red cell phone. Oh. And I was like, why did you really? die? In my head, that's all <laughs> No, we cannot. We cannot really very much longer. <laughs> You've got to accept this. Okay, fine. <laughs> like, like red phone, like like that's like, like the a classic, bat phone. Yeah, exactly. yeah, like like everyone, everyone. I'm going to say 15 years younger than us would I'm think you were unreasonable. I think for specifically your Chad. Is what I'm talking <laughs> yeah, about. yeah. No, I'm embarrassed. If, that if I someone that who was now. 15 said that, I would cut them. So you're, you're yeah. suggesting that when we're like 80, we're gonna have to maintain our bias and no, picture but, phones as we did. When we were 10. I'm just saying, like, we grew up like half of our lives right now with corded phones. <laughs> 
That sounds about right. Well, whatever. Uh, <laughs> no, what I was going to ask you... Yeah? Um, because I know when you first played this game. Before last night, had you played the game since they littered... The whole thing with radios. Oh, yes, and and I hate the, it to death. Yeah, it's oh the my worst. God. Why can't like, you turn it off? Yeah, Ugh. like, I get why it was put in there as part of the ARG, yeah. Yeah. but that should have just been a monk. Give me a thing. refresher. Okay. I so, remember the radios, I don't remember what they did. Yeah, they, well, the radios play that, like. It's like a Mamba version of, of Still Alive. And there's one, like, in the opening chamber. You put in the toilet every time. Well, actually, the radio doesn't fit in the toilet, so I put the coffee mug in the toilet. Exactly. Then the clipboard in the toilet. That's what you do. And then you sit the radio on top of it. Uh, Complete master here. <laughs> and then you jump on top of the sleeping chamber and jump up and down until the time runs out. That's how you correctly play portal. <laughs> uh, but they put the, those radios in every. I don't know if it's every. I think it's in every test chamber. And then they also put in like a. Uh, like a secret area into each chest chamber. Not like an actual area, like a invisible square in each chest chamber. And if you grab the radio and take it to that ch- that area, then it starts to play static at like a particular frequency. And then if you record that static... Oh, I remember this. And then you put it through like a Spectrum uh, Nimbo moon 2000 moon analysis machine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Spectrum analysis machine. 2000. 2000. It turns... <laughs> it, it, like, uh, was part of this ARG to, like, get Portal 2 released earlier. That was, like... That started, like, a month before the game came out. And additionally... You have never seen the original ending of Portal. Oh, yeah. Because... I haven't either, actually. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, well. Uh, the, in the, you actually have. Because in the original ending of Portal, you like everything explodes. Yeah. And then you come to on the pavement on the side. Yeah. And then the screen goes to black and the credits roll. But in the version that you, you guys get, played... You like, whacked on the head. Well, you get, pulled, you get dragged away by the robot that says, Thank you for assuming the party... Submission, submission position, position. whatever. Yeah, yeah. Uh, which was added in to like explain That's why you were back yeah. in Aperture at the beginning of Portal Two. So, I kind of wish it would have been a different character. Yeah, instead of Portal Two, yeah. If they, it feels really unsatisfying to have her escape and then just get drugged back, <laughs> back in. in. That's um, and this is pure speculation, and I don't think that I need to preface this with that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I believe that if they were planning on releasing a Half-Life episode or Half-Life 3 soon after Portal came out, then they would have had Shell In- most likely escape and become part of that storyline. Yeah. But because Portal 2 was the next canonical like mm-hmm. Valve-verse thing that came out, they probably didn't want to like make a new character and set them and, up and isn't portal 2 is supposed to be like thousands like, of like years yeah it's like it's somewhere between like two like, and ten thousand years something really stupid yeah <laughs> <laughs> but, but uh, i'm pretty sure there's even like ambiguity as to uh ambiguity ambiguity i said that i but put the emphasis on the wrong syllable <laughs> gotcha. uh as to uh where in the timeline half-life 2 takes place in relation to half-life 1 so like, How does Portal yeah. 2 end? I can't remember. 
I know that you almost go to the moon. They're right. saying, yeah, you blow shit in, up into space, right? And then you take an elevator out of aperture. Yeah, oh, that's it. Yeah, that's probably why I don't remember. And then the turrets sing to you. So you actually the turrets escape. are also another voiced uh, character in the yeah. portal series. So you actually escape. Yeah, okay. yeah, you, yeah. You I couldn't escape. remember. But as we said before, they could just retcon and with an ARG edition, they could just create a new ending anyway if they wanted right. to. Yeah. Yeah. As proven <laughs> with Portal One's ARG, yeah, yeah. While uh, we maybe are still trying to find anything minuscule and picky as we can to criticize with this. Why do people, like, is it like a stylistic choice that all of Valve's games never, like, change or update their, like, opening menus from Windows 98? Because <laughs> I think it's weird. I don't understand it. It's a, I mean, I think it's just, like, it's a source engine thing. Because I think it's just, like, their default way of working through that. But also, I feel like while it really does not fit the aesthetic of Portal, right? I think that it nails the aesthetic of Half-Life. Like, when you're playing Half-Life and, like, you hit escape and the game just, like, hard cuts to a still image that's, like, <laughs> slightly transparent under, like, just hard white text. Like, that, to me, sounds like Half-Life. Aperture Science, maybe not so much, but, uh... I think it's just kind of a thing. They updated the TF2 menu. I didn't. I would not know. Yeah, they've updated it like hundreds of times. <laughs> uh, now it's unusable and terrible. Oh. Because you can't access the server browser easily. I'm sorry. To, yeah. I'm not going to get into that, but uh, <laughs> I, I agree. I know nothing about Half-Life. Right. Because I'm a bad person. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> um, is there any kind of meaningful connection between the two games as of like right now? There's a ship... Yeah, the Borealis is in Portal 2. Um, there's... There are connections, well, yeah, but none of them would mean anything to you having not played Half-Life. Like, the Aperture Science is supposed to be, like, a competitor for, to Black Mesa. I know that They just much. failed in every way. Uh, it's continuity porn, pretty much. Yeah, Everything that's porn. there is just... I'm kind of a fan of continuity porn, though. Yeah. I yeah. jerk off to that. But, <laughs> play Half-Life, specifically Half-Life 1, and do you, then... Do you think I would like it, though? You're not a shooter fan. I'm it's not even a little one bit. of the best shooters ever made. You could use the gravity gun as much as you that's can. That's in Half-Life 2. Oh. So you wouldn't get, like, almost any continuity porn out of that. <laughs> uh... But in, in, in Half-Life 1, there's, there are a number of connections that Portal likes to draw. But, whatever. Yeah. It's really good. Super good game. Did I ever... Oh, yeah, I did. We had the menu conversation. I just forgot whether we went on another crazy tangent, or I actually... Oh, no, you it. did complete yeah. menu conversation about it being... Good. Not good, specifically. Go Good that I completed. Oh, right, yeah. We know. Okay. I... Should we talk about the rat, man? The rat. Well, that I guess like we could seg out of we segged out of the previous conversation that we should have segged into this one with, because uh, yeah, the rat man uh, would be your character that is the reason. Let me try all of those words for the <laughs> second time. Remix. The rat man is the reason that they put in all of those radios and things because they're supposed to be messages from him. Uh, but yeah, he was supposedly uh, like someone who worked at Aperture, and then 
when he was insane and like he did like or was he but that's that's all of those facts are just more continuity porn based yeah. on things they released afterwards yeah, the like context there's of a the comic game, book that explains it yeah. I don't even know if I don't even know if within Portal itself they actually use the phrase Rat Man or not I think if they do or not walls, isn't it? Like in I think he talks about writings. I think like the writing on the walls refers to rats and the fans uh, gave him the name Rat Man mm-hmm. and then Valve canonized it with the comic book. But all he is in the context of Porty, Portal One, Porty One. <laughs> in the context of Portal One, is another guy. He's just a dude like you, the closest thing that you have to human contact, and he, because he's the only other person in, in the situation, is supposed to be in some way also a signal for how you should be treating this circumstance. Right. And his treatment of the circumstance is crazy panic. Yeah. But, like, we should bring up to anybody who doesn't know is that it's all, like, secret. It's all well, hidden there. Nah, there's one part that is it. extremely explicit, and there's also a mechanical reason that he exists. Yeah, so Because, like, I don't remember coming across anything about him when I played it. That's, well, in the, the live fire range uh, training course uh, with the turrets, yeah. there's the place that has two cubes that are, like, jamming open one of the walls. Mm-hmm. And if you move those cubes and go behind it, which you're, like, incentivized to do because the turrets are behind glass and, like, the solution of the puzzle is to portal above them then on the wall and grab the cube and drop it on them. Right. Uh, then you can go back there and that's the, like, f- I believe first canonical rat den in big quotes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and so I feel like that is difficult to miss. Yep. And also, all the notes uh, when during the final escape sequence, yeah. those are all him doing his classic blood writing, the train. Right. Give you hints and help you through the circumstances. And that's the, for some reason, the mysterious. mechanical reason for his existence that I mentioned before. Ah, okay. Is that he's like, I guess I just don't remember. Arrows. Yep. Yeah. Like, Mario does not need a reason why there's an arrow signpost in the right, ground. But Portal kind of needs an explanation. Right, otherwise you're just kind of like grasping in the dark. I really like the, like, implied, or at least is what I get from it, like, that he's like kind of like Leonardo DiCaprio's character in Shutter Island. <laughs> In like, but in Aperture, like he's like crazy, and he doesn't know if he's crazy or if it's the every, situation it, is actually it, yeah, everything's against him or not. Right. Yeah, I think the, I mean the the narrative in the game is definitely set up to give you some sympathy for the character. It's just like this is clearly all fucked, right. and to suggest that you're in his position. Not even talking about all the other creepy elements we discussed before. I think if you're the if you pay. If you're like a really attentive person, you can get a lot about how you should be feeling in the situation that you're in from the moment you start the game. Because after the first portal opens up that allows you to like leave your little hibernation chamber or whatever they call it, yeah, the camera is very deliberately set up such so, so that the other portal that appears lets you see yourself like face and head to toe. Mm. And the things that you would notice first off is a you're malnourished. Yeah, there are weird mechanical things stuck to your legs. B, you're in like an orange generic jumpsuit that's kind of like ratty. C, your face looks sad, like you actually have like an unhappy expression. Uh, And D, your hair is like pulled back in like a very generic, non-expressive, sort of utilitarian... uh, Ponytail? Yeah. And it's really frizzy and all over the place and crazy. You look like a prison inmate, which is exactly how they how the story sets you up to be over time. 
But you can get that and very strong hints at that from literally the first room because all of the things you referenced before is also there. All of those hints that allow you to see yourself is there. The red lighting, the rust on the cameras, the fact that the cameras follow you, the observation posts with no people in them, it's all in the very first room of the game. Aren't they just boots that you're wearing and not mechanical things? No, it's like you were barefoot yep. in the game. Ah. So They're you actually have things attached. Yeah, these big like metal ah. like and wires like happily oblivious to like the negative connotation oh, of yeah. what's going on. Yeah. Just like, oh what do you want me to do now? Jump over there? Cool. And like <laughs> just going about like no negative thoughts whatsoever. That'd be an interesting way to experience this game. Yeah. Uh, during this cape sequence you're like what's going on where did the game go wouldn't it be a lot cheaper to just make boots uh, surgically implanted I don't don't know if they're surgically implanted I'm just saying they're attached in a way that does not look comfortable and smelling yeah they're there yeah that's just and I guess they wanted you to notice that immediately this, I believe, is also from the developer's commentary. Yeah. Which is podcast may as well just be called We Narrate <laughs> the Developer's Commentary to You. Uh, <laughs> um, it is, like, just so that the player never questions why you can fall, like, 18 stories and be right. fine. The thing that I want to know is how, if you go in a portal and then go out another portal that is sideways, you, like, go whoop and then write yourself... In zero feet. Oh yeah, <laughs> so that, that's weird. But uh, gravity. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> Whatever. I think on that note, though, uh, we should take a break gotcha. and then come back. Read. And record more podcasts after Read. that. Do you like podcast? Oh yeah, like podcast. Mm. Podcast. As part of a required test protocol, we will stop enhancing the truth in three, two. Yeah, I think. Uh, that part of the reason that Portal became so iconic, like, long-term, is its use of logos uh, in the game itself. Not even necessarily, like, in, like, the marketing or the advertising or anything, even though it's also important, because, mm-hmm. like, a lot of the... Uh, I know the commercials for, for Portal 2 were very iconic in the way they used it, but they, they had that same structure in Portal 1's commercials, too. Even, right. So we even had them. Yeah. Uh, you are sort of, like, subtly placed around logos in positions that like draw your attention and have you see them a lot in this game it's and it's always as the interlude in between all of your missions when you're supposed to be paying attention to the puzzles you always open with a giant screen that displays logos and your environment is so sparse that it always draws attention to the things that are in front of you as simplistic as they are they still stand out really strongly from the background so you look so you'll always immediately see these like tiny little things represent this guy and like cake and acid and all these like sort of like cute don't damage yourself in the workplace ways. Every time you reach the end of a level, when you're in the elevator, you turn around and the first thing you see is Aperture Science on like a neon blue sign like right above your head on the elevator, and you're staring directly at it when the video when the game loads its new level and you get off the elevator. Considering all the, the main levels before the second half twist, uh 19 times you have to go through just looking at these individual yeah. logos the for the game over and over and again. 18 times the cake square is grayed out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the 19th one it is there. That but, was amazing. Uh, what was I just going to say? Oh, yeah, the like the consistent like branding yeah. in the, the world is pretty effective. It makes it you feel more like a, you're in like a, you're a lab rat. 
Yeah. It gives you that, like... I, I like I find it difficult to draw like a real world comparison, specifically because it's in the real world designed to be something that's so subtle that it just becomes like part of your everyday life. Like you see somebody walking around with a can of Coke, like you recognize that logo immediately right. upon seeing it because it's just been so like drilled into your head. And like this whole game drills its own iconography into your head, just. Yeah. Through each, it makes the world feel more real for sure. Yeah, and yeah, it it also gives after science like that sort of gross corporate feel. It makes it feel like a real kind of company. Yeah, that is like like a horrible thing that imprisons you. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, like the actual like they advertise like a real company. Yeah, yeah. Well, because it's kind of thing where it's like the it's they're fighting an uphill battle from the beginning because you start the game as a like you're you know going in that you're playing a video game and it's like they give you these like effectively a big fucking toy to shoot extra dimensional <laughs> portals all over the walls but then like the game still has to ground you in its setting and it does that by these like by subtly sort of like bringing you down to the point where you are not you are not all powerful in this Not situation, far far from it. Yeah. yeah, you are you are actively being tested, and like things are actually trying to murder you, right. and you have no means of defense. Yeah. And not just really being tested, being tested on. I think right. it's a really important distinction. Yeah. And one thing that like drives that home is those screens at the beginning of every chamber with like the instructions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like an instruction booklet, like an IKEA booklet. Everything's like silhouetted. <laughs> like go here. Do this with this. Yeah, this could be a weird uh, callback, but it always made me think of uh, in "Honey, We Shrunk Ourselves." The Rick Moranis, "The Future Is Now." It does like the little oh, pose. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I also completely agree. Yeah, I often think of you know the "Honey, I Shrunk the Kids" series when trying to make comparisons about the things that I love. <laughs> I can't tell if you're being facetious because I actually do that all the time. <laughs> really? That's a real, I don't know. I grew up with that movie. I'm sorry. How many times have you seen the movie Honey, I Shrunk the Kids? Zero. You know how many times I've seen Honey, I Shrunk, We Shrunk Ourselves? I've seen that one way more. Yeah, like <laughs> like probably close to 50 times. I, I haven't seen it that much. Uh, I, I actually, that. I had never seen Honey, I Shrunk the Kids until like a couple years ago. <laughs> with these evil 90s movies. Evil? It's a good ass movie. <laughs> I don't know about good ass. No clip homework. Watch that movie. We're not going to talk about it. Okay. We found something to g- disagree on. <laughs> Finally, yeah. Portal, Portal does not make JJ think about a Rick Moranis movie from '97. <laughs> Unbelievable. <laughs> JJ, zero out of ten. Worst person. <laughs> so sorry. <laughs> I've got a lot of Rick Moranis. Rick Moranis. Moranis. He's in Ghostbusters. Oh. And Spaceballs. And Honey, I Drunk the Kids. Yeah. Okay. And, uh... I'm seeing the connection now. Yeah. A right. Little Shop of Horrors. Other things. What was that video game that we were... Mm. Portal. Oh, yeah! Uh, Portal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. One of the things uh, that they talk about in the developer's commentary, and therefore also on our <laughs> podcast... <laughs> This is what happens when you watch commentary. Yeah. <laughs> uh, a lot. 
is, uh, they talk about, and this is honestly the part about this that, I, that actually stuck with me, because it's been, like, five years since I've, like, gone through those, okay. um, is how much they discuss, like, the playtesting, and how the game could have been very different than what it turned out to be, because they wanted to, without being really explicit about it, drive the player to do the right thing when like when they went through the playtesting people would get locked in like certain areas not knowing how to figure stuff out or they bypass things right so they would design like the the geography of the level to like sort of draw attention to things that you need to do and Andy had an anecdote about something that did not quite work out for him. Right, so I was, once again, like all three of us did, watch the developer commentary. Apparently (laughs) we shouldn't have done that. Um, But one thing that they brought up is that playtesters would assume they could only exit through orange portals. And that's something that I also totally assumed. And then by the time they introduce a puzzle that makes you enter through an orange portal... Like, it had already been so cemented in my mind, like, blue in, orange out, that, like, any, like, like, I realized that I could do it the other way, but even after that puzzle, I pretty much always shoot a blue portal to enter and an orange one to leave. Right. Is the, uh, like, is the puzzle that they designed the one where the portal gun is on the rotating platform? Uh, no, it's, um... I have to say I don't remember. I think, I've, I think it's at the, I forget if... It's actually you get half of it because that's that's how they can force you to do it. Is right. they need control over one of the portals. The well, orange portal is stationary, orange. but you can put the blue at either half of it. So you have to put the blue it's the at one, one the end to walk out the orange, and then put it across the gap. So you have to walk in the orange to get across the gap. Right. Yeah. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, that's the one, yeah. Which is so smart, by the right. way. Which we, I think that deserves being called out. That constantly in this game they kept making decisions as you do when you make a good video game. That's supposed to lead people, the player, into making the whatever like decision that they're trying to get you to make without feeling like you're being tunneled or right. forced into things. See, um, <laughs> this is like not a new thing. Like, I don't think that we can necessarily point to Portal and say that this is like the pinnacle of this. Mm-hmm. But uh, I'm hoping this ends up being an elite seg. By the way, <laughs> uh, <laughs> loading seg. But um. Valve has pretty much always been really good at this sort of thing, especially if you look back, um, if you looked at to Half-Life, but much more specifically with Half-Life 2, which came out three years before Portal did, so they'd have time to kind of refine that and like make like a, a more clear decision on how they were going to do things, mm-hmm. but this is one of those things that gets like... It makes you sort of wonder about the state of the industry, where it's like, you want to say that, like, Valve made such good games because they were so good at that kind of, like, player-to-game interaction, like, creating that, Mm -hmm. uh, that they just did really well, but in reality, it was kind of like, their distribution platform is what took off. And they'll probably just never make a game ever again, <laughs> which is kind of a tragedy. But uh, it's like they trailblazed for like five seconds and then became set in their ways. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, and they're still innovating on the Steam platform, but like just not at the level of that they were pushing forward games 
when they were developing them. Like, Team Fortress 2 basically, like, invented the free-to-play, like, the proper free-to-play model. Uh, and, like, Left 4 Dead 2 as a platform for that game. Man, I totally forgot about Left 4 Dead. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Left 4 Dead was a great game. Left 4 Dead 2, also a great game, but also they brought the first game's assets into the second game so that you can just use Left 4 Dead 2 for all future content. And, like, that was, a like, a more or less brand new idea. And then Half-Life rocketed forward, like, the idea of what, like, a corridor first-person shooter could be. Yep. And then Half-Life 2 narratively expanded on, on the genre. But Portal, as we were just talking about, became, like, the... I don't want to steal your thunder here. What was the term that you oh, used? <laughs> you, you, know, you can. You're allowed. Uh, but it's sort of like the ambassador uh, of video games. Tons and tons of people try and get people into video games now with Portal. Yeah. And I think... <laughs> wait, was this, was this on the recording where we said that, that it's like the perfect game, or was that off the no, that was yeah, yeah. I, I brought it up. Okay. I said I didn't want to lead with that, but I brought it up. That like, right. yeah. <laughs> it was like, yeah. Portal is so brief and so tight in its aesthetic and so as far as this podcast can tell perfect. Uh, <laughs> that, Except uh, for the jump to the catalog. It's sorry. Yeah. Sorry. Ninety nine point nine. But it is just Become it's taken on this role in culture as the thing you try and use to get people into video games because it seems to be good uh, at like all the things video games can like uniquely bring to the table mm-hmm. and it, it's combination between like narrative and like actual mechanics the way that it can like smoothly lead you into certain like behavioral habits without making it explicit or calling it out like so many games lazily do it's just so so good at all of that I, also. I was going to say it earlier, uh, but forgot, because we could start talking about broader Valve stuff. Uh, this might be a chicken-and-the-egg scenario. I don't know which one led to the existence of the other. Mm-hmm. But uh, I think part of the reason that Valve has forced themselves to be so good about that these kind of like teaching mechanisms, uh, where they just have good game design, where they force the player to smoothly learn all of their lessons... Uh, is that they refuse to clutter their UI with things. Yeah. Yeah. They, they, I could never picture a Valve game. With that a would, HUD? Well, like with a full HUD or with like press X to oh, Z. Yeah. Like right. they, all of those like huge pop-ups that are so common in so many other contextual things. Anything like a QTE in the conventional sense. Right. Does oh, not exist. Yeah. In a Valve game. Yeah. They're, they're very hard uh, on keeping their like aesthetic Clean. Yeah. I kind of Left 4 Dead is probably the only example of one that like does force that on you, but that's because there's so many contextual choices within the game. That's the kind of thing that like these days is like so praised that I can't believe that it hasn't like become a thing yet. Like the standard. Yeah, right? like yeah. or like people make such a huge deal when a game like doesn't have a HUD or like button prompts. I remember the first uh, game that I can recall that was like completely HUDless. Because like even if you look at a game like Half Life Two, it has like a health meter and right. like a shields meter. Uh, was the uh, Peter Jackson's King Kong game, <laughs> and I remember it being like, like massively praised for how like gorgeous and like 
visually pleasing the game looked, largely because it didn't have a UI. Yeah. And uh, I did play that game, actually. It wasn't terrible. A lot of people did. Like, it was... It, it takes, always takes I didn't even know that existed. Dude, oh, yeah. Anytime anyone mentions the King Kong game, I go straight back to my childhood and watching like the X Play reviews, like right after the oh, launch wow. of the 360. I, 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 I forget. It. it was like a launch 360 yeah. game. Yeah. I say I forgot how old that movie was or how new it was. I have like no Which concept of when that We like a concept Actually, of time yeah, here. Yeah. I just watched it for the first time like a couple months ago. And uh, I had never seen it. Yeah, well. I've seen the original, but not the... Not the remake, yeah. Yeah. Alright, smooth seg. How did you feel about King Kong the movie? (laughs) That's okay. Yeah, that's basically how I felt. It was a little long. And that concludes uh, the (laughs) no-click King Kong review contained secretly within our portal episode. What were we even talking about? (laughs) Oh, the clean uh, aesthetic and Uh, lack of UI in Valve. Because, like... What uh, I was gonna bring up was like with Team Ico, everyone always like praises their games for lacking those elements. Honestly, I think it's just really hard because there are plenty of other even like AAA games that have tried it. Didn't mm. Dead Space try it? That was like a major thing. Yeah, Dead Space made the worst decision ever and made it so that everything came up as like an impossible to view, <laughs> uh, like hologram. So if you go to a menu, your guy would like hold up his hand. And like a hologram of the menu would come. It's still a menu. Yeah. It's still there. They just made it more hard to they see. They like contextualized it within the world. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But it's not even, correct me if I'm wrong. Here, but I mean, in the, the menu, world, Isaac is not fucking walking around the spaceship going like, I better turn on my V-Sync because I'm getting some like <laughs> vertical chopping. <laughs> I thought, isn't in Dead Space the menu pop up but you you don't go out of third person? Isn't the menu like still just yeah, like, there? Yeah, okay. you don't like zoom in yeah. on it. Like, it's not like the watch in GoldenEye. Okay, just yeah. making sure. Because I think like they've tried that. It's just, there's so much complexity often demanded in like the modern AAA release. Everyone doesn't have a mechanic set as simple as Portal's well, yeah. mechanic set. That's probably... Yeah. Like, the underlying reason is they've designed the game not to have one, whereas, like, most companies would, like, start with the mechanics and then be like, oh, should we, like, not have a HUD? Yeah, <laughs> except ripping stuff out. Yeah. That's how we ended up with regenerating health, which is a topic for probably not you guys, uh, but, like, a lot of shooter fans are split on whether regenerating health or, like, a static yeah. health bar is a That good seems thing. like the kind of thing that should be judged on a game-to-game basis. Yeah. But it's become like a, a theme, I guess. We can get into it someday when we talk about a regenerating health game. Right. But like the portal. <laughs> portal God. It has regenerating health. It's not it's that relevant to the game. <laughs> portal doesn't have a, rega- a regenerating health system. They have a you did a wrong thing, here's red system. Right. But I mean if you get red too red, you die. <laughs> then you get the use <laughs> You get if you, you get, get red, red too red, red, then you all red, and then you have to reload. You don't have to reload; it just loads for you. Just click, and it does that. Well, I mean that's a reload. Yes. Anyway, yeah, no, this game does not have a HUD, and that is a good thing. It has. I think it's important that even with mechanics as simple as portals, they compromised slightly. Mm. You have the reticule portal thing, yeah. and you have the little O's that show the last portal that you sent out, which is genius, and it, like is an absolute necessity when playing through this game for the first time, in my opinion. Yes, I agree. Completely. And the reticule, I think, is totally fine because you kind of need it. Yeah, right. it also contextualizes the th- where you can or cannot place the actual yeah. portal. And like, mm-hmm. 
whenever you had to do like the gravity like launching stuff, would, it would be impossible to place portals where you needed them. Without, <laughs> oh yeah, uh, good lord! Without their well, they do have portal funneling, which is like a thing that you can toggle in the menu. Uh, but like, Funneling? yeah, if you're falling yeah. toward a portal, you will like make minor corrections in the air automatically so that you fall into the portal and not like land slightly off and have to try again. Oh my, how, how advanced are those corrections? How far away do they start? Uh, I don't know offhand. Why like would he know that? Number of <laughs> meters away. <laughs> that, but it is, it, it, it is, is a thing it, that we it, can disagree Once on. you know about it. It is noticeable. I I think I'm going to see it on the menu and just like brushed it off or something. I didn't care. Because like, I also went through the settings like you always do when you start a PC game. Right. But I always would try and launch the orange portal when I'm falling to like meet my position. And I'd always miss. I'm so bad at that. Yeah. I, just, I didn't blame it on the game. I blamed it on me just being awful because I've seen every other person on Earth do it correctly. I've played it without funneling. And I find that the easiest way to do it and what is turned into just my standard way of doing it is if I'm doing a puzzle where I have to land in a portal, I always just shoot at the last second. Like, right before I hit. I, I, try, I do that as well. That's yeah. what I try and do, and I think I like I chicken in the game of chicken. Oh. Too early. <laughs> too early. I, say, I think it. that's like one of the, like the absolute easiest way to do it. Like mm. That works every time for me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I was actually, I think, for only uh, for the number of times I've played through this game, it just rarely happens. The most recent time I played it, I managed to get through the like tall platform up down oh, thing I in one that. shot. Oh, wow. I've never done like yeah. I don't think I've ever done that before. And I was like, "Thank you, punnel, er, punnel portaling, <laughs> <laughs> uh, portal funneling. You made all this possible." <laughs> yeah. Also, uh, thinking back to that, is the first time I played this. I played it with a controller. Don't play this game with a controller. Never, ever play this game with a controller. That was my fault, too. I was like, here, play Portal. Here's a controller. (laughs) (laughs) I was, like, setting him up for failure. I could not do that part with the controller to save my life. Oh, no. Dude, for Xbox 360 orange box people. I played it on the 360 and didn't have, like, much trouble. I think they may have fudged the, like, the controls a little bit. shooters, yeah. Yeah. To make it a little bit easier. Because, yeah, yeah point-and-click is just like... Right, I played through Portal 2 with mouse and keyboard, and it was way easier. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, the boss battle at the end was really hard with the controller as well. Mm-hmm. I, uh, I think I've been doing that boss battle... Because we always talk about the boss battle in every game right. that we talk about. Well, you said that you did it different than the way I did it when I played I think that I've... I think after having seen other people do it, I think I just do that boss battle... Wrong. What do you? What do you, can you else? Can you? Well, do? I mean, you can't do it wrong. Oh, yeah. you still beat it. But how do how do you set up your portals when you're shooting rockets at Gladys? Uh, I attempt. I shoot a portal like at a wall directly across from where the rocket guy is. Stand okay. in front of the portal and then put the other one in a position I think might hit GLaDOS with the line, but I'm often wrong about that, and you have to adjust it over and over again. See, I think my method is better, which is which is putting the portal. On the floor, they put a light there so you can't do this, but I just do it anyway, and then, like, every rocket always hits. Uh, I've never had an issue. If, you, if, they put a, if they put a light there so you can't do it, how do you do it? I just kind of, like, shoot portals indefinitely until one sort of clips into the light, which is why I think I'm doing it not the intended way. Ah, oh, so you're a dirty game cheater who cheats at Yeah, you games. just put it on the wall. 
Yeah, that, that was my initial idea was to put it under Gladys, and I've done it in every run I've ever done of the game. I don't know why. It's weird. They're, write us at noclippodcast.com <laughs> if uh, you also cheat the Gladys <laughs> fight miserably. <laughs> Not even the Gladys fight, just if you cheat. We yeah, if you cheat in any game. Of your moral depravity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I also snagged the. Uh, the not on a platform personality core on the first try. I was feeling hot last night. You've <laughs> <laughs> beaten the game like how many times though? Probably like 20 or 30. Yeah, that's not, that's not very impressive, Chan. I guess not. Uh, if you had trouble with it, that would be more surprising. So, yeah. But um, on the subject of Portal being sort of like an ambassador for video games, I'd um, say yes. definitely for computer games. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, specifically for PC. Because, like, I don't know many people who have been I, like, I think here, let me put in the orange box and you can play Portal with 360 controller. People right. will be like, I don't play games with these paddles. Portal's definitely <laughs> the game that brought me to PC gaming. Yeah. I actually don't know what brought me to PC gaming. I should check that. I see what you can check Gu- that. Is it Guild Wars? You can, well, you can look. Oh, it's Guild Wars. Yeah, <laughs> you're right. <laughs> you can check and see what, like, your earliest purchase on Steam is. That's My, what I was thinking. The first game that I ever bought with the explicit intention of playing, uh, like, heavily on the PC is definitely uh, Counter-Strike Source at yeah. the high school LAN parties. <laughs> see, I Drinking don't know. Mountain Dew, eating Fritos. <laughs> I don't know if it's just because I was always a console gamer growing up, but, like, I really have a hard time getting into PC gaming. Yeah. My thing is that, especially Even though it seems like it might objectively be better, (laughs) like, I just can't... Like, I always, like, find myself, like, way more like, oh, yeah, I'll put on the PS4 and I'll play a game. Right. And, like, I'm on my computer, I'm like... Oh yeah, I have Steam. Yeah. <laughs> my, I uh, guess I could play something. The last like five years, I've just been, and this is in no small part Valve's thing, uh, have just been like bombarded with conveniences that makes playing on PC more and more appealing as time goes on. What conveniences? Where it's like now I could plug my laptop into my TV with an HDMI cable, then boot Steam Big Picture mode, which has like a huge like, console-esque operating system. Like a huge picture? Like a big picture, yeah. yeah. And then... Put it into a mode that displays a picture. (laughs) (laughs) And now I have the Steam controller, which allows you to, like, operate the mouse on your computer when you're not in big picture mode, and has a single button press that launches it. And now it's just like, I have no excuse not to just play everything on PC. Except now my PC can't run every game for a while. (laughs) Yeah, that's a... People talk about this all the time in the context of like, oh, we're getting closer to the point where com- like having a gaming computer is just way, way, way better all the time and everything than it is anything else. People always ignore convenience in that discussion. And granted, like modern gaming consoles have gotten less sort of like easy in UI than they used to be. Like the PS2 era, I think was the last time it was like truly just like plug, just throw it in and play and there's no worries ever and it'll take eight seconds. Right. The last two generations have introduced more sort of intermittent bullshit into that structure. <laughs> but you never have to worry about like breaking your video game uh, if you have it on the console. You never have to worry about installs. You never have to worry about knowing if you can run it. Uh, and, and even That's though there's nice. there's yeah. so many things like on the PC space to try and like mitigate those problems, even people who are super super savvy with the stuff 
happened all the time. I like on my last computer like permanently broke my copy of Dark Souls trying to like put the DS fix mod in uh, and never could fix it. And I spent a ton of time trying to learn how to do these things. How hilariously ironic. Yeah. You know, <laughs> yes. <laughs> you don't have to adjust resolution on anything to like match different monitors. Yeah. The things are easy to move. It's just it's still more convenient, and I think you're being unfair if you suggest that consoles aren't more convenient still. You put words in my mouth. I'm uh, not, I'm not, not <laughs> in your mouth. I'm just looking at you because I hate you. And I like oh, that's people true. When I feel hatred in my heart. And that makes sense. I mean, I would probably argue that like PC gaming is, and of all the fucking times to get into a discussion about console versus PC gaming, <laughs> this actually seems moderately appropriate, yeah, considering yeah. they release simultaneously, that Portal released simultaneously on both. <laughs> uh... But it depends a lot on your control input preference. Oh no! no okay, I, I understand where you're going with this. I need to clarify. I meant for this, I man. wasn't. I wasn't pointing out all of those things as like a, a descriptor of why consoles are like still better. I'm just. My, I was just trying to shoot down the fact that PCs were objectively better on all OEMs. Oh right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's getting to the point where that could very well be the case soon. Yeah, because. Like, console exclusivity is basic. well, and Nintendo, are basically <laughs> the two reasons to own a video game console is if there's a game that you want to play that's only on an Xbox or a PlayStation, and let's be honest, you should just always own Nintendo's consoles, <laughs> because they make really good games. Wow, we're really subtle about yeah. it. Uh, well, <laughs> it's they aren't so, paying us. Yeah, <laughs> it's just so hard to not own a Nintendo console It, it really is. Like, they break me every generation. They have all, you know, they're high-quality video games. God like, damn it. It's <laughs> 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 such an <laughs> Mario Kart. New Super Mario Brothers. <laughs> Man, yeah. What a delight. <laughs> <laughs> and good times will be had by all. Uh, my steak is ruined. Yeah, it is. We just um, uh, <laughs> did but, you? Never mind. I'm not going to okay. see everyone here. In terms, though, of those advancements in PC gaming technology... I would at least like to point out that uh, with like the advent of VR on the horizon, which we're not uh, like I'm not going to make any claims as to whether or not VR seems like a thing I think is going to be successful or not because mm -hmm. it's a little bit sketch right now. Yeah, um, Valve is pushing their VR headset, the Vive. Um, I think it's the vibe. Man, that sounds like a sex toy. Yeah, oh yeah, it does. Absolutely. It, it's, like, it's like three of them now. Is the vibe the Sony one? It's possible. Valve has a VR thing we're yeah. referring to it. Yeah, there's a Valve one, a Sony one, and then there's the Oculus Rift, which I guess is, for all intents and purposes, the Facebook one, because they own them. But uh, either way, um, Valve's VR, uh, like the current like live demo that they're displaying to people at, like, tech shows and stuff, is just Portal. I was unaware of this. Yeah. I and didn't know that either. Yeah, it's not like Portal, the game Portal, though. I think that they have ported Portal uh, to, like, a VR-compatible environment. I'm not going to swear to that. Um, but 
<laughs> they, their like demo is like a test chamber in Portal, and then like at the end of it, like the walls pull away, and shit, and it's like. Clearly, they want that to be, like, the coolest fucking thing on the planet. <laughs> and I feel like Portal, like, if there's a game that's going to make me, like, just fucking excited about, yeah. yeah, VR is, like, playing Portal in a VR situation seems like the most intense fucking thing. I've said this to you guys personally at some point or another, I believe, but all that needs to happen for me to drop, like, thousands of dollars on Oculus Rift stuff, and by drop, I mean, like, labor intensely for months of <laughs> amount of, like, income needed to purchase those things, uh, would be Metroid Prime on Oculus Rift. That is literally the only thing I'd need. I feel like VR is something that's not going to be successful. I'm actually surprised that you guys show this level of excitement for it. I don't think what I expressed was excitement for VR. It for, was for excitement for a video run. game with a helmet on my head. I, I feel like it's almost like too complicated of a thing to like appeal to a mass audience. Yeah. Have you used the Rift? No. I have used the Rift. So I'm far. sure it's awesome. I just I find it hard to imagine a reality where it like takes off and is actually like makes money why i feel like it's probably like to the because you don't need to like get like hardcore gamers to buy it they're the ones who are going to want to buy it and giving it attention right now yeah i don't think you're going to hook a mass audience with it and that's what you need for it to be successful is it because it's like, I, you don't think you can hook it's like a crazy vr helmet and well, make people feel yeah, like these are the things that i concerned about it. One, the thing still has, like, a huge-ass cable that has to run from the back of the helmet into, like, a computer. Mm -hmm. Your computer has to be insane to run via. There's that, yeah. yeah. And then, additionally, yeah, there's just, first of all, there are three things competing right out of the gate, and for any one of those to be successful, like, they have to effectively, like, win the VR war. I just I feel like to the average person they're gonna see that and think, oh, that's like a nerdy Tron bullshit helmet. <laughs> you know, like I feel like it's going to like it's going to like push the average person away from it because it's gonna seem too complicated. Well, I agree with your opinion in the abstract. The specific <laughs> way that you worded it suggests that like everyone who doesn't play video games is some like weird backwoods that's... person who's like, I hate Tron. I hate anything that looks like Tron. <laughs> like that is computer true. looking See, things. I, I think that you were one correct and two wrong at the same time. <laughs> like, I, because... I think the ideal of virtual reality were to appeal to anybody, right. but I feel like the actual like Oculus Rift, right. the people are going to see that and be like... Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, like... <laughs> and, just because Facebook will put their weight behind it once it actually becomes, you know, more massive does not mean that... Yeah, I feel like, like Chad was getting at, it would have to, like, advance, a, like, a bit further before it would ever catch on. Yeah. Well, it needs that. to be simplified, I think. The way that I see it is just kind of like, I feel like people are going to say, like, that's, like, weird and extreme, and that's going to alienate And then people. they're just going to, like, forget about but it. But I think that people think that that is cool, and are probably enticed by the idea of using it, but I don't think that a lot of people are going to be willing to shell out half a grand for for a headset yeah. like just for an experience. I mean don't the majority of technology like technologies that are eventually like sort of like seem crazy futuristic and then become more widely advanced to go through this phase regardless anyway. I mean like the iPhone was like hyper expensive when it came out even with contract it had the same sort of like 
crazy mystique to it and seemed like a thing on I Star would Trek. I would compare this less to the iPhone and more to, like, the electric car or something. Like, something that, like... It, I think that the trick is that it has so much competition out of the gate. Where it's like, competition is generally good, yeah. but in the situation where it's something that doesn't even have, like, a proven market, having, like, splitting the voters, so to speak, across, like, all three platforms is going to be really difficult for any one of them to sustain, and like, just to in clarify, the line. The reason why it's a problem is because it's not like they're mutually compatible. Right. Yeah, they have, like, different physical hardware, and you have to, like, divide. You have to design independently for each and it's going to make things more difficult. Right. And I'm, I'm, you know, it seems weird that like a PC exclusive hardware thing would fall back on the old console exclusivity like marketing issues. Because like, it's going to be because I think all of the VR helmets can run VR compatible stuff but it just doesn't look the same in all of them. Like, you just have to be, like, they're designed for one in particular and then the other ones don't. But at the same time, it's like, if you're not playing this, like, Vive-enabled, like, game in your Oculus, then it's gonna look like garbage. It's just, like, that's a downside for both Vive and Oculus. This, I feel like if this, if it ever catches on, it'll be, like, over ten years from now. Mm. I, I, I think the, the price will need to come down, but that eventually happens with everything. I, unclear to me whether or not that they'll eventually become, like, one victor of the war. Because it's not like... Also, as we brought up, I think the average person does not game on a PC. And these are compatible with PCs and not consoles. True. It's a larger portion of the... About the pie. Yeah, than you'd think, but not a lot of them have the high-end rigs that you need to actually run an Oculus Rift. Going into this generation, there was actually, uh, a lot of the console manufacturers were really unsure about, like, the success of, like, the, the PS4 and the Xbox One and things. That's why their, like, opening launch titles had such sort of tentative steps. A lot of them were remakes and things, because even, like, the big names in the industry were, thought that there was a huge chance that, like, consoles were going to die, and, like, the PC and Nintendo we're going to be all that remains. Nintendo keeps chugging along. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I quoted to you that like line from, and I may be wrong about this, but I think it was a Sony executive who said, like, oh, yeah. we just wanted to design something that's going to look good sitting next to your Wii U. Like, <laughs> and that it does. Yeah. We're literally looking at a PS4 next to a Wii U right now. We're just like, everyone just assumes that you're going to have a Nintendo console. So that's what I was oh, yeah. trying to say. <laughs> We love Portal so much. It's so funny that this is how we express love for things, is yeah. by like slowly beginning to ignore it over time. Yeah. When we really like a game, it just does not lead to like a significant discussion, because <laughs> we just don't disagree on anything. And nothing. Every, everything's so good. Portal is like elemental. Like The mechanic of like connected portals, manipulate them, think with portals to go through a space, is something that just so immediately clicks with everyone in the context of any kind of game, not even necessarily a puzzle game, that I don't think you need explained why that's a good, fun, or unique idea. Right. We, don't, we don't need to like justify, like, oh, hey, we finally made a game where portals can be the main mechanic. If they could have technologically done that in you know 1985, it would have existed then, too. Right. Pack portal. Portal man. <laughs> that actually exists, because there are portals. Because you go through yeah, the yeah, left yeah. side and the right side, yeah. yeah. That they did. They knew that was a fun mechanic, 
And so they built it into Pac-Man. We never mentioned the fact that it was designed by, a, like, a team of, like, college students who built Nerbacular Drop. And What's Nerbacular Drop? Nerbacular Drop. It was the game that became Portal. It was originally this, like, you were unaware of this? I've never heard this. that word in my life. I oh. didn't know this either. No, well, there's an achievement in Portal 2 that you can get when you play the co-op called Nerbacular Drop. Um... But Herbacular Drop was a uh, game that was designed by these students, like it was a student project, I forget what like university they were from, uh, and they like built it, and then Valve saw it, and then they just said, how about you guys come work for Valve <laughs> instead? Oh, <laughs> what, yeah, how similar Black Box. was it to Portal? Uh, it was basically just the Portal mechanics that they had built in a prototype, and then Valve bought them. To come work on Portal, and then they had uh, Andy Wolpert, I believe is the guy's name, uh, write a story for it. And he had there's another guy I don't remember his name. Um, and then they kind of built the Portal universe around that mechanic, and then they just had those guys on as programmers. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Portal Two actually was another student game uh, called something: The Power of Paint. That became like the the gel mechanic in Portal uh, Two. Uh, so Portal's actually like a almost entirely outside of Valve. I know franchise. I heard this. I'm not gonna be sketchy on the details here, but didn't Portal Two start out like way different than what it ended up being? I believe that to be true. Is in like it was gonna be like a like a prequel, mm-hmm. like it was gonna take place in Aperture, like in the '50s or something. Yeah, that was the original idea for. It. I have the. Uh, the ebook that you can buy on Steam. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's DigiPen Institute of Technology was the college that these kids came from. Uh, is that it's like... a senior project for a group of students. They released it in 2005. Gabe Newell uh, liked it and then just gave them all jobs. So, Good yeah. No regular job. Dream of many, I'm sure, in the in game colleges with names like whatever that. Did you pen? Yeah, yeah. like G4 advertisements. <laughs> Man. Thanks for listening to Noclip. Uh, as always, you can get a hold of us at NoclipPodcast at gmail.com, uh, on our website NoclipPodcast.com, on Twitter at NoclipPodcast, and on YouTube at just Noclip. Um, next week. And then one week after that, because we're going to forever fuck this up. Uh, what are we playing next time? Next time, <laughs> which is two weeks from now, uh, we're going to be talking about Star Fox 64, uh, a game that I was shocked to discover everyone fucking liked. So, I mean, here, I was on. I was on everyone in the world, world <laughs> really likes Star Fox. He was shocked because it's a terrible game. Yeah, and he'll describe why it's terrible in two weeks. I feel like I'm gonna have to because when we like a game, it turns into this. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like Star Fox is old enough. We'll find enough to like nitpick about. Yeah, that's us, the nitpick crew. Nitpick, no clip. Nit, nit, clip. None of that works. You're nope. all killing yourselves. No, all right, see you later. <laughs> no, nit, no pick. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs>
We're coming up on six minutes of trying to start the podcast. Uh, I have to be now. Are you serious? Yeah. God damn it! <laughs>